Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. Uh, you can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where uh, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're going to talk about NFL today, I guess. Right. Did you miss me? I was gone for three days. Did you did you miss me? I, 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 I could honestly say I did not miss you. I did not miss you people. I didn't. I see you guys on the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs ups, right? Okay, make up for the past three days of no thummy thumbs and give me some more thummy thumbs and subscribe scribes and notification bells or whatever. Click around, right? But I didn't miss you. I didn't miss you. I did, I really didn't. It was nice not to not to wake up that early in the morning. So I could I could I can answer questions in the YouTube chat. I probably answered 734 times before. But uh, hey, but I'm back. But I'm back. It's casual Friday. Uh, so we'll take things casually today. I mean, I, I've, I've just started to look at the NFL slate, right? I didn't look at anything DFS for the past three days. So, like, uh, I don't even have my MMA sheets up. So, like, if you can ask me about tomorrow's MMA card, no idea, right? I'm going to do that after the show. Set up all the, the betting odds and everything and see what the hell's going on with that. Uh, NBA, I don't no idea what happened yesterday. Apparently, all the I think all the Raptors won. Like, if you played all the Raptors, you won last night, I think. I think that's what I saw on Twitter. Uh, but I don't know what's going on tonight in NBA. I'll, I'll have to take a look at that also. Uh, but uh, but we were running some stuff for, for NFL primarily today. Uh, so, and, and as always, you could always answer, ask your DFS strategy questions, anything, anything you want to talk about in the YouTube chat. But let me, let me, uh, let me, before I go into that, let me, let me run some stuff here because I'm looking at the, the NFL stuff now. So obviously Friday, we, we, we're a little bit more clear with the news situations, we still got some some Q tags up here, but Nick Chubb doesn't look like he's going to be playing, which opens up Dearness Johnson, Chase Edmonds. I don't believe is going to play. Uh, we 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 got we got a bunch of that news in, so I want to go through. I like uh, you know taking an aggregate of like the blitz projections and our Roto Grinders Gridiron IQ projections, just so we could start you know kind of running lineups, seeing what they look like. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run this. I'm gonna run run a hundred lineups. Uh, we got uh, how many games on the slate? We got enough for like four, like five percent per quarterback. And let's let's see what these game stacks kind of look like. Right, we're trying to target games primarily, and uh, and and see and see what the projection looks like. And especially versus the ownership, we got some ownership now also. So we got this. So you could do this in lineup HQ. It's called the the custom projections uh, modal. That's what they call it in the web development space, the modal. And uh, you could you could upload any source you want. You could weight them and create a, a projection set with them combined. So that's what I did. I did. I took half of the blitz and half of the Grinine IQ projections, and I'm going to use that as my projections uh, because uh, the blitz has Deonis Johnson with a nutso uh, projection, which, I mean, maybe is warranted. So we just take a look now at uh, the aggregate projections. And I like looking at RGV, which is essentially, uh, which is salary adjusted plus minus. So like it gives you a basis of like, if you don't play this player, this is how many points you're giving up by not playing them in comparison to other players. You could kind of think of it this way. So it's not, like, oh, you're giving up six points by not playing Dak. Yeah, but if you play Josh Allen, you're like you make that up, right? So it's not just like, oh, if you don't play that guy, you know, you, you're dead. But we see in the running back position, uh, yeah, Dearness Johnson and Najee Harris at 7,900 against the Lions. Connor doesn't rate, rate out as much against the, the the Panthers, but probably popular in cash games. I mean, I would I would assume based on what I'm seeing here that you know cash game build is 
you know, Dearness Harris and Connor, and just don't worry about it. Like, I think a lot more running backs this week are viable. Uh, and I think three running back builds may be maybe more worthwhile than four wide receiver builds. But uh, but we'll take a look. We'll take a look. See, I got uh, I got the build rules up. Make sure I got everything clear. Uh, how many games slate is this? This is eleven game slate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. So twenty two teams. So that's like four percent. Four percent per quarterback. Is that good enough? Four times 20, 22, five times 22. What do we do? Four, good enough, whatever, 49, five, whatever. So we're just running hundred lineups. I want to see like the top projected like stacks, game stack, the quarterback with two, two teammates. Doesn't have to be receivers. Could be a running back and, uh, and, and a opponent on the other side, just to see what games project, what, what team, what, what teams and games have the most, best projected players together we can do we can do that by just going through the games right you get a sense of that by just like oh detroit pittsburgh and just basically seeing how many how many players are kind of like above salary adjusted plus minus right so you see fryer smith johnson harris so i'm assuming based on this we're gonna get a bunch of ben roethlisberger right there's ben plus Najee plus deontay and with uh the john Dre swift as a run back like you could just sit you could tell just from the values here, right? So this is the reason why a lot of times I don't even have to do this because I could just look through like Tampa Bay, Washington. It's like Godwin, Fournette, Evans, McLaurin. We'll get some of this, maybe not as much as, as you think. We take a look at the, like the, the the Cleveland game, right? It's not not much of anything else other than Dearness Johnson, but we'll probably still get some Baker Mayfield, Mayfield, Johnson, Landry type of lineups. Is there anyone in New England worth a, worth a crap? Jacoby Myers, I guess, at 4,800. He never scores a touchdown. Doesn't matter. I have no idea, but we'll see. Okay, so I'm going to run 100 lineups, 4% per quarterback, just so I get all the quarterbacks, and we can look through it. I'll go in the YouTube chat. Con Campbell, if you could still play the lower stakes cash games on DK, would you play? Yes. I would, I do not, lower stakes cash games, I, 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 if you listen to the latest Theory of DFS podcast, like last last NFL slate, I did, I did not play cash games on DraftKings. I did on, on FanDuel. Uh, the amount of volume that I play, just it, it's getting to the point where I'm not even sure if it's worth where if it's worth the 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 swings. I think at the end of the year I come out ahead, but like for like a two percent ROI, is is it is it? It's not. It's it, I let me tell you, it's not fun. Uh, going up or down 10 grand, you know, per, per week in NFL, right? If you have a, a you winning cash games, it's like, oh, you, you made six, 7,000. You lose, you lose $8,000. Like, and it's always on a two V. It's like, it's not, it's not something that's like, oh, I majorly screwed up. Or it's like, no, it's like everyone's making two V twos type of thing. So, so the amount of volume that you need, especially on DraftKings, where you can't play the lower stakes, you got to play $5 and up. I don't, I'm not sure if it's worth the risk that I'd rather, I'd rather just, I'd rather up my volume a little bit in GPPs. And then I could ride that. I have no swings in GPPs. I never mind. I know, I know how that is. It's just cash games on the, I have to sweat a two V two for 10,000, $12,000. Just, it's not, it's not fun. It's, it's not fun. And at the end of the year, it's just it's like, wow, all of that. And I made like, like $8,000. All 
or something. You know, like you get like, and it's like, was it worth? Was it worth that? That up and down. So whatever. But if you can play low stakes, yeah, I would say because the ROI at lower stakes typically is going to be higher. Like when I when I played low stakes on DraftKings when I was able to. So that was 2000, middle of 2019 and, and before. Like my ROI was like 10, 10, 12, 15 percent, depending. I don't mind that. But I mean, how much volume can you get in one two dollar contest? Five hundred bucks worth of volume. Right. Maybe. $800 worth of volume, but you're making 10 to 15% if you're good. So it's like, okay, the, if, if you're, if you're at that bankroll level, then absolutely. I, 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 I would do that also. If you have a, if you have a, uh, you know, $10,000, $20,000 bankroll and you're going to play, you know, 5% in cash games of that. So if you have a $10,000 bankroll, you're paying $500 on a slate. And as obviously, as you move up, as you, your bankroll grows, that 5% becomes bigger amount of raw money. I think it's worthwhile. Then, and you're playing just exclusively low stakes, one $2 contest. You're not entering $5 contest. You're one, what, $51 head to heads, $52 head to heads. You're playing the three mans down there. You're playing, you know, you're, you're waiting till the, the at half an hour before lock. And you're just like the $1 and $2, you know, 11 man, 23 man double ups and DraftKings. You're just you're entering them all until, until it stops you. So you've been entering too many at this limit. And once you get up to there, like I, I absolutely think that that's perfectly fine. Right. But once you once you step up to once you step up to the big leagues, the ROI is just just go just go down. And it could be and it could still be positive. It just may not. It still may not be worth it. Uh from a, a swing perspective, that's a better way to put it. It's not the, it's not the raw, even the raw money. Like if, if you're putting in $10,000 of volume and you, let's say you have a 2% ROI. Okay. So $10,000, 2% is 200 bucks. Right. But if you're playing double ups, especially like you're either going to win them all or lose them all. Right. Right. Obviously in head to heads, you, you know, you're not going to win them all, lose them all. But if you put in 10, if you're putting in $10,000 in volume for an expected return, on average of 200 bucks per slate because you're going to go up, you're going to win, you're going to lose, you're going to win, you're going to lose. And your win rate's going to be like 57% or something, $200 a slate up and down. Like by, by the end of the year, you're like, okay, that, that accounted for like, for what? Not, not that much. Right. Because it's not going to be straight 2%. It could be 1%. It could be minus 1% at times. So you're going to be going up and down and up and down and up and down all this volatility and at the end of the year, it's like, like as you bink one or two GPPs, and that that cash volume, that cash return at the end, like almost makes up for then's nothing. It's barely anything of what your return is. It just makes your line a little a little bit less swinging. But in cash games, especially in NFL, you play, you're playing once a week, so it's like okay, I win big, lose big, win big, lose big, win big, win. And at the end of the year, it's like I'm up twenty eight hundred dollars in cash games. It's like, what is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know if it is. At that level, at that—that—that's the key. At that level, if you're you're playing, you're playing, you're playing on a five thousand dollar bankroll, two thousand dollar bankroll, play the one dollar, two dollar contests. That's perfectly fine. Uh, smooth Jimmy Apollo, probably a stupid question. Whenever anyone starts off with probably a stupid question, it probably is. When you're looking at how owned a player should be. Are you seeing how often he shows up when running lineups or are you just getting an estimate by three plus seven compared to ceiling? 
Yeah, I, I don't really make the ceiling combination. It's more it's more how owned he should be in the lineup construction. So, yeah, by running lineups, more likely than not. Uh, let's see. Jacob Halloway says, blunder so rich he could pass up on 2% ROI. Well, I'm passing up on 2% ROI for the sake of my sanity. <laughs> how much is my sanity worth? How much how, going into a Sunday slate like this NFL Sunday, if I don't play cash games? I don't have to sweat a 2v2. Like the, there are cash game constructions where you're looking at and like the difference is 51 49, 40, 52 48 at best. Like I could play this lineup or that lineup or this line. And I know I'm going to see all three. I know I'm going to see all three in, in, my, in my double ups and my head deads, whatever. It's like one of these three and it's a 2v2. It's a 3v3. Do I pay up here? Do I pay down there? Do I pay this defense or that defense and this tight end or that tight end? And you're like, like whatever that decision is, which is very marginal, is going to be the difference of like, like five figures up or down. But when I don't play cash games, I don't even consider, I don't even care about the two. I don't care about having to make that decision. Now, what you could do to, to avoid making that decision, just always play the top lineup in your projections and just don't think about it. And then just don't even think about the swings until the end of the season. Just like you're just up and down and don't worry about it. That, that's a way to handle it. But if you're going to try to make decisions between those two, it's like you're going to, you're going to get an ulcer. Going this two v two is going to be the, the, decide the difference of ten thousand dollars for me today, right? And I look at the two v two and I go this one or that one, and I'm like they both are fine. Like they're both like uh, you might as well flip a coin. So now I'm flipping a coin for ten thousand dollars. Just it, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's worth it. Oh, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, Edward Brown says, what is your wife going to do for fun on your WrestleMania trip? Go to WrestleMania. My wife actually likes wrestling. <laughs> she went, we went up to Indianapolis. We saw AEW Dynamite. She had a blast, right? We went to WWE Raw on Monday and that was boring as hell. We go, go up to AEW and chanting and whatever. And she's screaming about whatever, talking to people next door. She, she doesn't know many of the, she doesn't know the, the storylines as much. But you, as long as people are chanting and hooting and hollering, she's having a good time at it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What it is. Okay, so let's go through this. Yeah, we're getting Dearness Johnson in 100% of lineups. We're getting Najee Harris in 99% of lineups. I think we're going to be playing them. Getting my, oh, Michael Gallup is back. Oh, I see that in the, in Michael Gallup is back. He's probably cheap. That's why he's showing up much, right? 4,000. Okie doke. I'm just taking a look. What do we got here? Okay, we're getting a lot of Dak Prescott, obviously. Okay, so we'll go to the quarterback position over here. See, we got all the quarterbacks. So I'm sh- I'm showing you I'm showing you a way to research a slate. That's what that's what I'm doing here on Friday. When people say, "Oh, who do I play? What do I do?" It's like, no, I'm running lineups. What do these projected lineups look like? Because you're probably stacking games. You're probably looking at stuff like that. So what does it look like? What what? Are the games that project well, that piece together in one lineup, what's the projection and what's the ownership? I mean, it, once you start simplifying DFS, you, 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 typically, you, you typically make more money, right? You typically become profitable. So we're going to look at some of these DAC lineups, like DAC lineups. So we're getting, you know, DAC plus Gallup plus Cooper and, uh, and Kyle Pitts. Right, we're getting some Kyle Pitts. We're getting Cordell Patterson as a run back. 
but it's mostly Gallup and Cooper. I don't, I don't see that much, what, up here? We've got Dalton Schultz. Okay, Prescott, Gallup, Schultz with Kyle Pitts, double tight end. Okay, Hayden Hurst, I guess. I mean, a punt. Okay, so 153, 156 ownership. Okay, so 153 is the top projection. Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, 128. So, like, these lineups are, I don't know why, why are we projecting Taysom Hill? I don't know. I guess we are projecting Taysom Hill to some, PJ, yeah, we, yeah, I think the Blitz has, like, a split on who, we don't know who's going to start, right? Just like with Russ Wilson, is Geno Smith going to start? So, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't have him, like, projected for anything. So, we, we came to, like, Trevor Simeon. These lineups are going to project low just because we have them like split out. So let's go to Ryan Tannehill. 139 for Ryan Tannehill against the Saints. Tannehill, Jones, Ferkser. Tannehill, Jones, Ferkser. Tannehill, Jones, Brown. Brown 7,800. So yeah, that's that's driving it down with Troutman as a running back. But they, I mean, look look at the, 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 the projection difference between Ryan Tannehill and Dak Prescott. So these Tannehill lineups are 139. Prescott lineups are 153. So you give them like 14 points in projection. But look, but you're also getting ownership. Because look, these DAC lineups, 156 in ownership. These Tannehill lineups are 114. But you're you're giving up 14 points in projection to get this ownership. If you go with the stack, is it worth it? Well, that's, that's it's up to you to decide. Is 14 points worth dropping that ownership? Kyler Murray, if he plays, 144. Okay, that's doable. The DAC lineups are 153, so there's nine-point difference. And you're getting Murray with Connor, obviously, a bunch. P.J. Walker, is he project? Okay, P.J. Walker, Terrence Marshall, D.J. Moore, 144. Only 124 ownership. This isn't that bad. You're dropping about nine points from the DAC lineups. Mike White, 144. With Michael Carter and Corey Davis. And Cole Beasley is the run back. Jared Goff, 145. Obviously, Najee is the right. So you're doing Goff, Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then Najee Harris is the run back. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard with a Jerry Judy run back. You got Quez Watkins in here. You know how great this is. Russell Wilson, assuming he plays, 146. So with Metcalf and Everett. Metcalf, 6,800. That's a pretty good price if uh, Wilson starts. I mean, for his ceiling. Let's see. If Rodgers starts, like, we don't even know this stuff. Is Rodgers going to start? Obviously, Adams projects well. Rodgers, Adams, Jones with, uh, with Gerald Everett, I guess. Just Tyler Lockett down here. Okay, 146, that isn't, that isn't horrible. Taylor Heineke, 147. Heineke, Dayami Brown, and Logan Thomas with Chris Godwin. Okay, so this is, the, this is the Tampa Bay game. So Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brake. Assuming that Gronk isn't going to play. You run that back with it's probably a cheap procedure. Like Terry McLaurin doesn't project that well. Right, Adam, you're getting Adam Humphreys in these types of lines. Teddy Bridgewater, 147. Bridgewater, Judy Fant, assuming he plays. I, I think he's fine, right? Off the COVID list. Then you had got Dallas Goddard. 
in those lineups. Dallas Goddard, uh, Quez Watkins, I guess. Josh Allen, let's see. What did Josh Allen lineups look like? 148. Beasley and Diggs. Ryan Griffin is the run back. The, 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 the Buffalo, maybe you don't even bother running the back. Corey Davis, maybe. He's back, 4,900. Maybe he's worthwhile. Kirk Cousins, 148. Cousins, Osborne, Conklin. That doesn't, that, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like the best stack, right? Because you're just basically trying to jam in Najee and Devontae Adams into this lineup. Zeke. Dalvin, okay, you get Dalvin Cook in this one with Osborne. You don't get, I mean, in, in these, the top, what, the four that we made, you don't get Thielen or Jefferson or anyone like that. Baker Mayfield. 148, but this is primarily driven by Deanna's Johnson. So it's Mayfield, Johnson, Landry with Jacoby Myers, like we said before. Trevor Lawrence, 148. So we're moving up. Lawrence, Chenault, Arnold with Michael Pittman running back. Justin Herbert, 148, almost 149 against Minnesota. But you're using like Osborne as the run back in this. Osborne, 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 3,400, just some cheap receiver. Mac Jones. So it's a similar that basically Mac Jones comes up in, in decent lineups primarily because the run back is the Ernest Johnson, who has like the highest projection comparable to their salary. Ben Roethlisberger, because Najee Harris projects well. So you get Ben, Najee, Deontay with Amon Ross St. Brown or Swift. I'm assuming we'll see one of these with CS Swift down here. We get some Carson Wentz, Wentz Taylor Pittman with Dan Arnold, 150. Very high ownership. Right, so Pittman, 20%. Okay, that's because we're projecting Pittman for 20% ownership. Man, then Matt Ryan. It's on the other side of the Cowboys, right? So, like, you're going to get uh, Brian Gage Pitts with Michael Gallup run back. I mean, probably some of these will be Cooper or Elliott, but most of them are Gallup. This is the way to go through it and see. It's like, oh, what, which, which games, which teams are projecting well together, right? So you don't have to piece together. Like, oh, I want to play this guy and then that guy. So what teams project well together? So maybe this Atlanta Dallas game. All right. So where do where do they, where do both quarterbacks show up the highest? Atlanta Dallas. Like Indianapolis, Jacksonville, just Trevor, even Trevor Lawrence comes up a bunch. More on the Chargers side of the, the Eagles. The, the, well, that's the Minnesota game. Who are the Eagles playing again? Denver. Yeah, these Allen stacks don't aren't as aren't as appealing. I'll, I mean, I'll probably play. So we could do this. So let's say it's like stuff like Josh Allen and Tom Brady, where maybe you don't want to stack the other side of the game. So you could run these lineups and just not have like, like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to stack with the, you know, with the, the opposite side. I don't want to have a run back. And then like, I don't want a running back. You know, I just want the wide receiver tight end. Right. So this is like a Josh Allen double stack, right? That, that type. So like these Ben lineups, for instance, we had those Ben Roethlisberger lineups, but they had a running back because it was Najee. In there. Now, if you do a double stack without Najee, now it's going to be, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryer without Najee Harris. 
because you set it up with just wide receivers and tight ends. Is that a better lineup? Who knows? Well, who gets to fit in the other spots in your lineup? Obviously, the Najee projection is good. So you're going to be sacrificing some projection, but also you're going to be, you're going to be getting ownership by doing that also. So we'll run, we'll run 100 lineups like this. You could run a hundred line, or you could run a hundred lineups and maybe get rid of you. You don't necessarily need to see every quarterback. Maybe you just want to see the top ten, right? By capping it at ten, so you can get ten percent of at max of a quarterback, which is the head of a stack, and you're going to get pretty much the top ten, right? So anyone, any quarterback that doesn't show up wouldn't be in the top ten projected stacks because there's no runback, so we don't have to worry about you know what, what game it is. So I'm going to run a hundred. So this will make this will make someone like Josh Allen show probably show up a little bit more or Tom Brady a little bit more when the other side of the game doesn't project as well. March mimic once you run your Friday Friday lineup to see what seems to project best. What's your process for deciding who's in your player pool? Ownership. That that's it. It depends. It also depends on the contest that you play. The larger the field of contest, the probably the larger your player. But the more the more willing you are, see this is this is this is the people take the the wrong information out. The larger the field you're playing, the more willing that you would be sac- that you're willing to sacrifice projection for ownership. Okay, now understand the difference between me saying that and saying that you should have a larger player. The mentality you should be thinking of as the field size of your contest gets larger, is I'm going to be more willing to sacrifice projection for ownership. Now, obviously, if you're going to be, if you're willing to sacrifice projection, that that means there's more players available for you to play, right? By proxy. If you're not willing to sacrifice projection, you're not going to play a guy that doesn't project. You're going to have a much more condensed player the more willing you are to sacrifice rejection, that means it opens the door up to everything. Like we take a look, for instance, let's just take a look at the wide receiver position in general. If you're playing, if you're playing small field contests, like you could be focused on the top of this range, right? But let's say we scroll down, right? We have RG, I got it sorted by RGB here. And you're like, uh, Devonta Smith at 5,900, right? Doesn't project as well as other receivers in that range. Tim Patrick, Tajay Sharp, Jamal Agnew, MVS, AJ Green. Like in comparison, the ones that are up here, they don't project as well, but they're also going to be lower on. But if I'm playing smaller field stuff, if I'm playing a 500 entry contest, why would I be willing to sacrifice two or three points just to play? Quez Watkins, when I could win with a little bit higher ownership and play Cole Beasley, that's projected, you know, four more raw points better at, and I'm not, the ownership, I don't have to care as much about. So when you're playing smaller contests, your player pool is going to probably be small. Not because you want to focus in on a core. It's just that you don't have to, you're not going to be as willing to sacrifice projection for ownership. You're playing the Millie. You don't mind, Zach. You, you could play lineups that are 25 points lower projected if, if you get the requisite ownership. Because the reward 
for for those lineups is first place is the million bucks. So you don't mind sacrificing the projection as much. I mean, to the point of, you don't do it to the point of stupidity. Don't play a lineup that's a hundred points lower projected. They, they almost never they'll almost never get there. So that's the reason why the player pool size that you choose would be different. It's not me going in, going, um, I'm playing small field contests. I'm going to have a player pool of 200 players. I mean, I could, I could have a player pool of 200 players, but it's very unlikely that the guy at the bottom of the player pool that projects five points lower than some other guy is ever going to make into into my lineups for playing small field contests or even mid-sized field contests. The large stuff probably have a bigger player pool. It has nothing to do with the amount of lineups you have. That, that's diversification. We're not even talking about that. So being that like on Sunday, I'm primarily playing contests. The largest contest I'm playing has like 5,000 entries. Like the big $100 spy, single entry spy. Or, you know, like, but I'm playing a lot of the double spy, which is like, I think, 800 entries. And yeah, I may play like three entries into the Wildcat. I think that's like 4,500 entries or something like that. So how much projection am I willing to sacrifice? So some of the lower projected, lower projected guys, I'd only be playing in stacks. So looking down here, it's like, would I have Marcus Valdez scantling in my pool as a one-off? No, but if I'm playing Green Bay stacks, if I'm playing Seattle stacks, I would include them in my pool. I organize stuff in NFL by game, by team, not by by individual players. Individual one-offs have to be high projected. So if like if I'm going to play, you know, if I'm going to play the Dallas stack, for instance, right? Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Like I'm going to I'm going to include. Dalton Schultz in my pool. Like, is he going to show up in lineups? I don't know. But I'm trying, I'm going to include everyone that I can. CeeDee Lamb. Well, CeeDee Lamb doesn't project as well as Amari Cooper, you know, for over $800 more. But I'm playing a bunch of Dallas. So there he, he's going to be in my pool. Atlanta, on the other side of the game. Russell Gage will probably be in my pool if I'm playing that game. If I'm not playing that game, Russell Gage may, may not, you may not use Russell Gage at all. May not be a need to. If you're playing a bunch of Josh Allen stacks and you're like, well, Emmanuel Sanders projects poorly. Dawson Knox projects poorly. I like Beasley and Diggs, right? And possibly if Zach Moss is out, Devin Singletary. Well, I mean, you could choose to just make all your Allen stacks Beasley and Diggs. But what happens if I'm making 10 of them? I don't want Beasley and Diggs to be all of them. I want it to be Beasley plus Sanders. I want it to be Diggs plus Knox also. So even though they don't project as well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them in my pool. But using Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders as one-offs is probably not going to happen because their salary adjusted plus minus is low. So they don't help, they don't help the lineup. Unless Josh Allen is in the lineup. Unless... The other side, unless the Jets are in the lineup, right? I need the correlated, I need the, the effect of correlation for there to be a reason to play someone that's 2.5 points lower projected than other players. Well, yeah, well, I'm playing Josh Allen. So, yeah, that, that, that would be the reason. 
So Emmanuel Sanders would make my player. But someone else that is at the 5,700 wide receiver, like Devonta Smith was in that range. Well, if I'm not playing Hertz and I'm not playing Bridgewater, so I'm not playing any of that team or game stack, then Devonta Smith will not even be in my player. He would be a one-off and he, he's a poorly projected one. For the contests that I play, like I said, 5,000 entries or less, 1,000 entries or less. You're playing a contest with 200,000 entries. Devonta Smith won it. That, that may, you may be okay sacrificing that projection for that one-off. So it's not about a player pool size. It's like what, what players should be available, what players will make up lineups that give you the right amount of projection and ownership for the contest that you're playing. You, you, I could leave everyone in. This all tabs is 558 players. Doesn't mean any of the players on the bottom. Like, yeah, I could leave them all in. And, you know, will I, how much, how much, uh, like, oh, I, I left, I left, I left uh, Malik Turner or uh, Tyron Johnson is still my player. Yeah, but he projects for 0.14. He's not going to show up in any lineups, right? I'm going to, I'm going to leave Desmond Pathmon in my player pool. You could, but when are you ever going to get a lineup with a guy that's 3000 that projects for half a point? You're not. So is there, is there a need to even X these guys out? Probably not. I try to keep things safe by, by adding people to the pool. I exclude everyone. And I just add back the people that I want to be in my pool. But you don't have to do that. I only do that for, for error checking. Right. If you're building a whole bunch of lineups and you're not aware that, you know, there's some there's some dude like the 3K dude that projects for five points that shows up in like three percent of your lineups and you forget you don't realize it. And that may be fine, but sometimes it's like, no, no, I didn't. I'll just include everyone that I want. And then now I know we're going to make up all these lineups with these people. Um. Michael Dompey, a tangential question. The slate only has 3,000 entries so far and a possible field of over 26,000. When do the other 23,000 entries show up between now and Sunday morning? Oh, and the slant. Oh, and that between now and then? Shouldn't, it's not going to overlay. He's asking what, are enough people out of bankroll that it may not fill? No, it'll fill. You don't want it to fill, right? Don't you now? You'd rather it be overlay or early. It's only Friday morning. Okay, let me go to, we ran, we ran, what we did is we ran the stacks, wide receiver, tight end, no run back. Okay, obviously when we do that, what's the top projected lineup? Josh Allen, right? Yet the one when we tried the three plus ones, Josh Allen stacks were okay, but not all the way there because basically we don't have to deal with, you know, Jamison Crowder or Corey Davis or Michael Carter or some garbage jet. So as far, far as a top 10 stack, let me go. We get still get tons of Deonis Johnson, Najee Harris. Pretty much going to play them on, on, on Sunday. So we get some Carson Wentz. So, okay. So we have Carson Wentz at 148. Tom Brady at 148, Bridgewater at 149, with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, with no Philadelphia players. Herbert, 149, 
because you don't have to take on the Minnesota guy with it. Josh Allen, 149. Trevor Lawrence, 150. You don't have to bring back anyone for, for the Colts. Matt Ryan, 151. With Hayden, Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. That's probably not a lineup I would play. And then Dak Prescott, 155. Basically, Dak Prescott rules all. This seems like a pretty chalky lineup, right? Prescott, Gallup, Cooper. Then you jam in Harris, Johnson, Adams, James Conner. You play some, you know, punt Dan Arnold. But this would be this would be the type of lineup you'd play in a really small field contest from an ownership perspective, I would guess. I'm assuming Gallup's ownership comes up. Right. We have him at 3%. If he's going to play in these 4K, I'm assuming that that number is going to come up. He's not going to be that low. I'm assuming. I mean, look at this lineup. I mean, look, the same type of lineup, but just with a slight tweak, right? So instead of playing James Conner, you're playing Leonard Fournette. It's going to be a little bit lower owned probably than James Conner. And you pair Deanners Johnson with the Browns defense. So th- these are, I mean, to me, these look like small field. Because look at the ownership. The ownership's fairly high. 159. But if you wanted to play this in the in you know the juke or something, the double spy, right? That's what these types of lineups are towards the top. That's why you look at lineups. You take out Devontae Adams from this lineup, the projection goes down, the ownership goes down. And as the as your contests get bigger, the more projection you're willing to sacrifice, and as long as you're getting requisite ownership with it. Don't sacrifice projection and get nothing for it. Get something. Either either you're getting ownership, you're getting, you know, leverage, lower ownership, or you're getting correlation. You're getting something. So how many people build lineups and they don't realize what they're doing? Especially if you're hand building, you're not even paying attention to what these numbers are. I'm going to play this guy instead of that guy in this lineup. It's like, okay, how much projection are you sacrificing? I don't know. How much ownership are you getting? I have no idea. So then how do you know that that's a good thing to do? Maybe you find out that you're actually sacrificing projection and actually getting higher ownership. Now you're going to say a chalkier guy that you don't realize is actually lower projected than the guy that you already had it. That's why you could use a tool like Lineup HQ to just run them like Use whatever projection set you want. If you don't, if you, you can change the numbers. Well, I don't think this guy's going to be this owned, so change the number. I don't think Gallup's going to be three percent owned, so put a number. But whatever numbers you want, as long as you're putting those two numbers to a player. We have Dak Prescott at twenty five point six five at eleven point four. Like I think he's going to be nine percent owned. I want to project him for twenty three point. Okay. Is there a reason you want to do that? No. Who cares? There doesn't have to be a reason. Just get get the players into these numbers. Whatever way you have to. Because once you get the players into those numbers, now it's just a game of, we need nine slots and nine of these pairing numbers, and you just build them better than your opponents. And you just wait for the money to show up. That's it. Welcome to DFS. That's DFS. 
Mark Mimic says, thanks, Blender. That's essentially what I'm doing. I'm typically excluding players unless they project as a one-off or if a run-back projects well. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. They'll show up naturally. Like, you don't even have to, like you saw before, like you could leave them all in if you want. Right? If you're choosing this and I'm playing this stack and that stack, like if, if you're not playing a stack and the guy doesn't project well, you're most likely not going to get them as a one-off at all anyway. Even if you're playing 150 lineups. Unless you're purposely manually saying, I'd like to have 5% of this guy. So you don't have to exclude everyone and include them back. You don't have to do any of that. I do it out of the sake of, of error check. If I'm building, especially when I'm building smaller field lines. The larger field stuff, I'll, I'll get rid of like the, I'll get rid of 400 people just because, so I don't even have to scroll. So I don't have to worry. Do I have to worry about the fourth, the fourth running back on some team that projects for one point? Like, no, just X them and just X them. I, I don't even want to have to see that. They're not going to show up in lineups no matter if I X them out or not. But if I X them out, at least I don't have to look at them. Jacob Calloway has a good point. Remember, people, someone could be 5% owned, but be 95% owned in a specific archetype. Correct. Taking Gallup at 5% in your Dallas stack isn't actually leverage because 95% of the Gallup lineups will have that. That's absolutely correct. That's why when judging lineups with stacks, I can I consider the whole stack to be one of one ownership. All right. So like 3% that like, like this isn't like, like what, he, what Jacob is saying is like this lineup up here is like, well, I got a 3% on player in my lineup. So I'm good. I got enough leverage. Well, Gallup at 3% would be much better in this lineup archetype. If it wasn't a DAC line, if this was a Josh Allen. If this was a Josh Allen stack, like, let's take a look. Can we find, let's see, do we have, do we, let's see. I don't know if we got any Cooper. Do we got any Gallup in this? Here, here we go. So here's this Josh Allen line. And let's just say Gallup is 3% owned. I don't think he's going to be 3%. Michael Gallup at 3% owned in this lineup is much different than Michael Gallup being 3% owned in a, in a DAC lineup. Right? Because Gallup ownership, you know, is more, Gallup is going to be more likely in DAC lineups. But it's going to be less likely in Josh Allen. Just like with Beasley, if you want to say the same thing with Beasley. Beasley or Diggs. Oh, I'm getting Diggs at 8%. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to be a lot lot of that 8% is going to be Josh Allen lines. So it's really like you're not, you don't, you're not multiplying. This is the main reason. This is the main reason why like ownership sum and ownership product aren't like exactly correct things to use. They're blunt tools. They're better than nothing. You can't, you can't say, well, 12% of lineups have Josh Allen and 13% of lineups have Cole Beasley and 8% of lineups have Stefan Diggs as if they're independent of one another. So it's like, so how many lineups would have, have all three in them? Well, most of them, right? Because it's Josh Allen, people stack. There aren't going to be that many Josh Allen naked lineups. So most of this, a lot of this 12% ownership, probably 10% of this 12% ownership is Cole Beasley already. And 6% of this 12% is probably Stefan Diggs already. So let's 12, 13, and 8. In total is about 10. 
10% of lineups will have something like that as an archetype. Especially with Dearness Johnson in there. And Najee Harris, right? So that's that's an archetype. Now you have to get different elsewhere. And that's where Michael Gallup comes in. If he was 3% on. But in the DAC lineups, we go to the DAC lineups where, 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 there you go. Michael Gallup isn't that. Like, yeah, you actually have no, like, really low on guys that's listed here, at least. If we go to, if we scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, let's see. Do we got any? Here, here you go. Here's, here's, here's a DAC lineup. DAC, Gallup, Cooper. But now DJ Moore's here. It's like, okay, there, there you go. So you don't care about the, the Gallup ownership. You're like, okay, well, I already got Johnson. I already got Harris. Chalk City. I already got Adams. Chalk City. Arnold, Chalk City. I got Chalk City in my lineup. And I got a popular stack. Even though, well, Michael Gallup's 3% owned. Yeah, but it's like 3% of the lineups have all of these guys. Except for DJ Moore. Right? So this... Yeah, when taking into account the entire correlation of your lineup, like really the differentiator is DJ Moore, not Michael Gallup in this lineup. Here's a DAC lineup with Beasley in it. Like Beasley at 13% owned is more valuable in this lineup as a one-off because he's most likely not going to be as much of a one-off and he's going to be more in Josh Allen lineups. You have to understand how the correlation affects ownership. Having a 1% owned guy in a popular stack doesn't, I mean, oh, only 1% of people have, well, yeah, yeah, but 1% of people have the same quarterback and the other wide receiver that you already have also. That makes up most of that 1%. It's not, it's not one, it's not these random one-off lineups. It's probably going to be because the quarterback happens to be in those lineups. DJA dog, is there an easy setting to force run back so you have to do it in groups? No, you just do it in the stack settings, right? Primary game stacks here. Team one, team two, right? So this is quarterback with two wide receivers or tight ends. Team two, whatever you want to use. You want to use running back, wide receiver, tight end one. You just want to use wide receivers and tight ends and no running backs. There's a one. You want to run it back with two people. You could do two, right? Yeah, the stack, primary game stacks, game stack settings. And then you could choose the teams. Maybe like you go here, like, like maybe you set something up like this. So you set two types of game stacks. So here's one. The top one is with a run back. The bottom one is not with a run back. Let's say you want, you know, a split of 50-50. But it's like, but you go here and you go, who do I not want? I don't want the Buffalo to have a run back, right? So you just uncheck Buffalo, right? Who do I not want to have a run? Like, you know, the, the Tampa Bay, maybe I don't want Tom Brady to have run backs. So there, uncheck that. And only the teams that you want to have here. So that's what you do. And it automatically does it. So you don't need to use groups. Anything else in the YouTube chat? Normally I talk about MMA, but I, I literally, I have no idea. I haven't even put in the odds. I have no idea that the weigh-ins are coming. I think I have, I've been looking at Twitter and keeping my eye on Twitter. It seems like two or three, two or three fighters have already not made weight. 
So who knows? Are we going to even have 11 fights? Is, it point, is there a point anymore? Melvin Pitts. Hey, Blender, can't you use the other stack tool to find the stack ownership total? If so, can you give an example? Yeah, I guess you could use what? The, the game stack finder? I don't, I never use this. I never use this tool. So I'm using the total ownership. I'm using the ownership sum anyway. I'm never, pl- I'm never playing a lot. Just to be clear, I'm never playing lineups that are that high owned that I need to even calculate what the stack total ownership is anyway. Right. Like really that's what it comes down to. It's like, it's, it's almost, it doesn't end up. I, I don't end up needing to even know that information. Right, I take a look at that lineup with uh, with Dak, right? Like, I'm not playing a lineup that even has a to- an ownership sum of this high anyway. So I don't have to look and go, oh, this isn't really leverage. Yeah, because I'm, not, I'm, ne- I'm, I'm never playing lineups that, that project like this anyway. I'm not playing really small field contests. I'm playing small, small to mid-sized field. So I'm, I'm rarely playing, like, 160 total, like, in this line, I'm... I'm I'm not playing these types of lineups. And I'm just, I mean, I mean, it's a chalk and straw. I mean, it's, it's Johnson, Harris, Connor, Adams lineups. It's very rare that I'm going to be playing those types of lineups. I'll be playing all these guys, but not probably not all together. So once I start not playing Harris, Johnson, Adams, and Connor together, then obviously my total lineup ownership goes down. And then I don't have to concern necessarily concern myself. With uh, with you know the stack combined ownership, I'm good. I'm already good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at that point. Could I be a little bit more precise? Yes, but at, at the end of the day, conceptually, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. Fanduel has MMA now. Yes, Fanduel has always had MMA. Any place to find game lineups from previous contests? Yes, Results DB. It's on Roto Grinders. It's free. Just go go to Rotogrinders site and go to rotogrinders.com slash results db. It's only for DraftKings stuff. You could look, look at any contest, then NFL, NBA, MLB, all the publicly posted GPPs and double ups or whatever. Yeah, we got all that information. Smooth Jimmy Apollo, hangman winning on Saturday. Yes, he better. Been a two-year, it's a two-year storyline. Michael Dampier, have you thought any more about the bizarre relatively high ownership of Pittman two weeks ago and Brown last week? Any application of the current week? I don't know what we could learn for the current week. Just I assumed that Marquise Brown was high, was much higher on than expected because Lamar was higher on than expected. Pittman was a decent cash play the week before and just got steamed up. People, you know, people around the industry talked someone up. And there's they're good projected play. It's just that in the in the span of like there's five guys in that range that are that project within within a half a point of each other. So why should one guy be twice as owned as any of the other guys? What's that going to be this week? Who knows? I don't know. I like I said, I've been away for three days. I'm just looking at this. I'm pretty much just looking at this late now. I have no idea. But it's quite possible that Dearness Johnson, if he's going to be 47% owned, he may be under owned. I think some people may go, like, can I find a way not to play? It'd be one of those things where it may be more beneficial to play more. I don't know. 
it's not basketball. Like like in basketball, that type of play, you just lock butt. Football, there there are paths there there are paths to failure in football. But a forty seven hundred dollar guy that may be getting eighty percent of carries, and 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 fifteen to seventeen percent of targets. That that most like most likely he will be in most, if not all, of my lineups. To find that projection, if Deion Johnson was six thousand, I wouldn't be talking that way. But at forty seven hundred, but the thing is, is that in the Deion Johnson lineups, maybe getting away from like a Devontae Adams would be better off. A Najee Harris, like it's going to be a lot of these barbell type builds. People paying down, then people paying up. People are down at tight end, down at running back, up at wide receiver. Maybe going a little bit more balanced. Would give you a similarly projected lineup at much less ownership. Doesn't mean you avoid like the high price, but like you could just be a little bit more balanced. So it's not like you're like, I'm not going to play Johnson or Adams. I'm going to play everyone in the 5,500 to 6K range. I'm not saying that. It's quite possible to play Johnson and just then you don't play anyone over 7,000. Or you try to find some cheap receivers, but I'm not a big fan of the cheap receiver, like one-off route. And stack, sure. Okay, let's see. Before I get out of here, Jacob Calloway, what's the optimal strategy for risk the board game? You should look that up on Google. There's there's stuff on there. I, I, I could tell you what. I mean, it'll take a while. I hope you know the basic strategy of risk. It's all about borders. Okay. Always about borders. Most people get risk wrong because they spread out their, their armies amongst all, all of their countries. And it's much better to keep all your armies concentrated on borders. Because you don't need nothing. You don't need. You don't need. If uh, uh, an interior, a land interior uh, country, as long as you, as long as you protect the borders, you can only leave one army. You don't need. I mean, I'm. To me, I'm saying basic stuff. If you play risk, like you're probably looking at me, going, "Who doesn't know this?" Like, I hope you do. If you're going for a tournament, I mean, I'm assuming everyone knows how to play risk well. But you could there. There's optimal. You could look it up. Risk is a very popular game. It's been around for a while. Just Google the optimal risk strategies. There are there, there's tons. Of, it also depends on on how you play. Whether or not you claim your own land or it's done randomly. Depends on how many people are playing. It's like a like a like a two or three person game of risk is much different than like a seven seven person game of risk because you can consolidate quicker with two to three players. Like two to three players, if, if your opponents make a mistake, it's humongous. Seven A seven-player game, like a lot of times you can't capitalize on other, other people's mistakes as much because you're just, you're just not there to do it. You have to convince someone else to do it. You have to almost team up with someone else. Uh, but Jacob's never played it before. So if, you, if you've never played it before, just learn the, learn the ba- at least learn the basic strategy so you don't look stupid. I've never played actual risk tournaments. I just played risk a lot when I was a kid. 
Uh, Chaos, so do you have a target minimum for allowing an running back to be in the quarterback stack? Should I default to not doing it and only allowing it in rare circumstances? No, I don't care about target minimums. I only care about projections. Dearness Johnson is 4,700. He could still get 20 carries, two touchdowns, and Baker Mayfield could throw for 300. I mean, like, at his price. It's a price to projection. It has nothing to do with targets. Oh, Jacob's saying he's, it's a five-people home tournament, mostly drinking over a board game. Oh, okay, so you could crush him. I thought you were going to, like, an actual some type of organized, like... Not like an official thing, but I mean, like there are people that do in, in cities that do game nights. We're going to have a risk tournament, but it's all people from like a game and club. But yes. So, Jacob, just just make sure you keep your armies in the on the borders. You want to your, your goal is to take over a continent, secure its borders, and then you get you obviously get to cash in every turn for for having a continent. Right. And your goal is to knock and is to uh, ruin people's chances of that. So, for instance, a very, very common risk move, like if you have Africa, for instance, and you have you have the border secured in Africa, especially the one, the the boat one for uh, South America. So you want to keep all your armies in wherever in that the Western Sahara. Where where you could go over to, uh, to South America. And you're going to keep, you're going to, you're going to have like 20 armies there because you're protecting that board. And then when it's your turn, especially if the guy, the person that, that controls South America goes after you, make sure that the last move on your turn is taking all your armies, attacking across, assuming that he, he may not have, he or she may not have as many armies there. They play poorly. Like if there's only one there. All you're doing is moving and then you take you're taking control and then you take your armies back into into Africa and you leave one there. So that's when's the guy when's the person's turn, you can't get the extra armies for controlling the company. So you're ruining that person's chances. I could talk about game strategy all day. Right? This is what I like. That's why I play DFS. Right? This could be risk. It could be clue. It could be, it could be anything. Monopoly. I like the I like the strategy of games, and DF, DFS provides that a bit. Not not as much as like the board games, but whatever. So uh, so hit that like button on your way out the door. Hit your likey like button. We we got some NFL stuff. We're we're seeing we're seeing things going on. I got to make my MMA sheets. Hopefully all the fights are on. If if they cancel one, if it's only a ten fight card, maybe I don't even play. If it's not, not, I'm I'm done with the nine fight ones. It's a nine fight card. I just I I'm, who cares that point but let's see let's see what these weigh-ins what happens at these weigh-ins we got sunday nfl coming up and then back to a normal schedule next week right i took a couple of days off you guys probably didn't miss me i definitely didn't miss you uh but uh but we'll be back as, as normal as i always say monday through friday answering your dfs strategy questions as always on the dfs pregame show on rotogrind.com 